Welcome to Pop the Question, a podcast that exists at the intersection of pop culture and academia. We sit down and talk about our favorite stuff through the lenses of what we do and who we are. From Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University, Dr. Melinda Lewis here. I'm your host. So first of all, can you start with introducing yourselves? I'm Scott Knowles. I'm the head of the history department at Drexel, where I've worked for 20 years. I am Kevin Egan. I'm the director of academic programs for the Pannoni Honors College. And yeah, here to talk punk, which I would say is inarguably the reason I became an academic. And it's still like, even in these times that are tough and dark and challenging, it's constantly my go-to to feel a semblance of, of hope. I don't have nearly that good of an origin story, but I, I did hire Kevin twice. So I think that's something to be proud of. So how do you define punk music? What is your truth? I'm going to throw something out first and I'll let Kevin correct me. <laughs> I think punk is art in reaction. The, the form we're most used to is music that is loud and fast. And then all of the kind of music culture that surrounded that from fashion to zines to clubs and everything else. Like I think that there is something oppositional about punk. And I think that that is sort of its, its origin story. But I also know that sort of like the, the narrative also goes is that it, it burned itself out very quickly, precisely because it was, it was only in opposition to things and didn't stand for anything. So in some ways I'm like, but, but it has to be more than that too, right? Because it still exists. Like it's still, there are still punk bands. There are still things that are considered the punk genre. There's still punk aesthetics. I think anybody who's making punk art will not spend much time worrying about that either, that time is limited. And what I think where we oftentimes get into this authenticity problem is around something of really kind of minor issue, which is punk music and the punk look. Most people think of it, it's like captures about three years of punk music, which became highly capitalized. I mean, I think this is where somebody like David Bowie is interesting because you could look at David Bowie and say, there's no more canonical album rock figure than David Bowie. But there are multiple times in his career where he blew up the genre, how it was, how the music was made, how the bands were composed, who the audience was going to be, how it would be performed. I think he was punk. I think Lou Reed was too. I get myself in trouble with saying that popular artists can be punk, but I think they were making art in opposition to convention. Hmm. Not to be too Marxian, but like there's like a dialectical movement in it that it has to overcome itself at certain times. You know, I've heard an interview with Iggy Pop before where he's talked about, you know, we just put down some kind of riff and some kind of beat and, and I would just get up on stage and break a bottle and cut myself because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to provoke something in the audience and that's that opposition. Don't you try, don't you try to tell me what to do. And I, I want to take a little bit of issue with the idea that the articulation of the politics have to be clear. That also feels very commodified. I don't think politics have to be a platform. Standing in opposition, even in some, to some degree folk music in America in the 1930s, or blues music, it doesn't have to state what it's against. We know what it's against. It's anti-racist. It's anti-fascist. They may not have a banner they're carrying. Sometimes they did. You know, MC5 had a banner. I mean, those guys were like, we're going to crush the state with guitars. You know, like sometimes that 
is how it's approached. But I, I think also not spelling out the politics is, is kind of part of the magic of punk too. You don't have to state it. If you don't get it by watching Iggy Pop, what they're against, you're not paying attention or, or you literally can't see it because you're so enmeshed in the mainstream culture that they're way outside of your field of vision. Yeah, I feel like Patti Smith is a good example of that. Punk, regardless of the politics, is about disruption, of disrupting the norms and of challenging people to see, at least see a model of how you can not be the norm. Even though we've just talked about how difficult it is to kind of define, do you have bands that really represent for you, like, this is punk? The Clash, for me, invokes some of these different stages that we've talked about, right? Like, their earliest albums are sort of that quintessential small window of, of punk that I think the, the popular imagination thinks of, right? Not terribly well-produced. It's loud. It's, it's generally angry. It is overtly political. But I think they evolved and still stayed cohesive while contesting the bounds of what punk should be about. Like, I think once you get to London Calling, Sandinista, there's so much going on there musically. And I feel like that is them trying to stay ahead of the curve with that ethos, right? Like they are doing things experimentally, they're mixing genres. There's still an overt political message there. They, they kind of captured a lot of it for me because they... And maybe in some ways, like Bowie did, like kept kind of reinventing as they were evolving. I'll chime in. I, I mean, I, I would just say the the first punk band I was ever aware of were the Talking Heads. The music was jarring. I realized I was listening to something that was not like what my parents had. And I loved their music. They had the Beatles. They had Crosby, Stills and Nash. All music I still love. But this music was different. It just aesthetically, it was it was different, and it was still incredibly powerful. They just stuck a fork right in the middle of big ticket arena rock. My favorite band actually of all time is a post-punk band, which is the Pixies. The Pixies are a bridge between all those sort of American punk bands of the early 80s and Nirvana, basically. And I think you will find, like Kevin said, uh, with The Clash, you will find in the Pixies just about everything you're looking for in terms of anger, opposition, resentment, depth of emotion and feeling, and all of the anti-Reagan politics you may wish to consume.
in terms of like a disruptive moment musically for me, and I do think if I traced my sort of my genealogy back in, into getting into punk, in a very similar vein was seeing Nirvana, seeing Nirvana's Smell Like Teen Spirit on MTV. Well, and see, getting to see them live also was just like, this feels different and it feels awesome. Punk musicians, the ones that I really look up to, we're also always out of time and place. I think there's specific moments where it, it sort of, everything lines up and, you know, Johnny Rotten screaming. God save the queen, the fascist regime. Once in a while, things line up like that, but usually it's not quite that neat and tidy. So, I mean. And you were, you DJed in college, right? Like what were you spinning back then and how were you kind of articulating the time? So I was listening to what, whatever the older DJs were telling me to listen to, you know, Bugazi and Jesus Lizard and Sex Pistols still, and that Devo cover of Satisfaction is not only better than the original, and I'll stand by that, but I think it's also the greatest punk song ever made. I'm just gonna say that. That's it, that's the whole show. And, and in <laughs> fact, it's that part in the song where Mark Mothersbaugh just says, maybe, 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 maybe. That's actually punk in one condensed part of one song. I would like to continue on this strand. Kevin, do you have like a similar, let's build this playlist. What, one song that goes, that, that comes to mind that is the dead Kennedys kill the poor. It is hard not to get amped up by that song. I love it because of how it is so dripping with, with irony and sarcasm. And people just didn't get that. And it raised such ire that people were like, well, I can't believe that they're advocating this. And this is, this is terrible. And it's like, no, this is quite literally what the establishment is doing. And we are shining light on that. And you are the ones that think that we're... We're advocating for it. I'll throw another one in, which is the Butthole Surfer song, USSA, mm. off of Locust Abortion Technician. <laughs> and it's just a series of just lyric tricks with them just saying USSA, USSR, but what I love about it is it's, first of all, it's really punk. It's loud, but you grow to love it because it was also what they were doing was taking, I mean, what did we constantly hear in those years? Hate communists, hate Russia, USA, USSR. And it's just these like mantras, just pounding it and pounding it and pounding it. And then the whole song just blows apart. American punk experience is about, like, I agree with Kevin, it's about exposing the obvious inequality, state-sponsored inequality and racism of the Reagan years, homophobic, anti-Black, anti-poor, anti-urban, and then also showing how much of that rests upon creating a fictitious world of superpowers in which we have to hate every day or we're not really participating in the American dream.
your mom. I have a question about that podcast you do. Are you on the Instagram or the Twitter or the Facebook? You know, like if I have an idea for a podcast, how do I get in touch with you? Love you. Bye. Sup, mom? Uh, yeah. So you can find us on all those things, actually. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just go to PopQuestPod on any one of those and follow. If you want to send us ideas, you can either go over to our website and leave us a message at Podcast, or you can get us directly at popq at drexel.edu. You can actually find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, I can help set it up when I get home, but then you have to promise me to rate and review. All right. Love you. Bye. Can we do one more round of, of songs for this playlist? Please do. I mean, Damage Goods is great. Yeah. And and Gang of Four was one of one of the bands that was on my mind too as we as we've been Absolutely. talking about this. Like f- discovering them was also a, a revelation for me too. Um, other songs. I guess, again, like sort of playing with what we consider punk, but I guess they're proto-punk. New York Dolls, I think, uh, Personality yeah, Crisis. Absolutely. I love that song. I used to play Personality Crisis. Actually, that would be like a song on every radio show I would do. I would play that song. And then, like, I love some of the sort of kind of food group stuff like i mean television marquee moon i could listen to that song all day on repeat i got no problem with that i thought you were just gonna list bands named after foods <laughs> oh i can keep going all i could think of is there's a hit now i can't remember if it's descendants or if it's all but there's a, a song that just is like 15 seconds long that's just basically like ah, I food, food is good and then it just lists up a number of different kinds of foods and then that's it <laughs> think that you tapped into this idea that punk also has a lot of joy and play and fun and that also gets lost in terms of thinking about like protest or politics or whatever always being mired in like seriousness and like the severity of punk but there's so much play with language or satire or people who just think you know the Ramones were a bunch of minute 90 second songs and whatever, like they've missed the point. I mean, those guys were hilarious. I mean, there was so much humor going on with that music. The other thing is that, you know, I was thinking about this TikTok video that went around because that's my only saving grace these days. Uh, And somebody talking about um, American Idiot coming out and how inspired they were. And that is why they are voting for Trump in 2020. that, you know, to be a real punk musician needs to go against the establishment. And that is what Trump represents. I think this has been a problem pretty early on with punk because of the degree to which um, there have been various moments where it seemed that skinheads, neo-Nazis could find a place in punk. I mean, you look at those guys and there was a moment there, particularly kind of straight edge punk, where they did shave their head and they did seem to you put a picture of, you know, a Black Flag show or a Minor Threat show in 1982 versus a sort of neo-Nazi, you know, kind of concert. It's going to look enough the same that you could draw those kind of 
conclusions. I actually think that's one of the reasons that some of those bands kind of turned their back on some of that lyrical content, certainly, and and that kind of performance. You know, to, to me, I mean, the answer is very straightforward. I mean, if you if, if what you find in populism is racism, then I don't think that's what punk is about or has ever been about. And, and we were talking about this earlier, you know, what's the political content of punk? It's in opposition to dominant culture and dominant culture is racism. So when somebody says, oh, I'm voting against the grain, I'm going against the grain, I'm going for Trump, they don't understand what the grain is. They don't understand that white supremacy is the dominant culture. And they right. think they're being edgy by supporting it. They've been double tricked by Trump. He's taken all the worst aspects of society and repackaged them as some kind of edgy populist thing. People are just badly deluded. They've been tricked by a guy whose job is to trick them. Punk music has survived a lot, but like with the economy that we're in right now and with the ways in which this has like really shut down a lot of what's happening like art-wise and tour-wise, do you think that there's like a survival rate? I was talking to Kurt Brownler, the comedian, the other day, and I asked him this question, but about stand-up comedy, which I think is pretty similar kind of question. And he thought really that for a lot of clubs, this was the end of the line. And... I worry about that for live music too. I mean, they have to evolve it. You can't take improv up on Zoom and I don't think you can take a punk performance up on Zoom. But how long before people are willing to like cram into a space and scream at each other? I don't know. Yeah. I'm less concerned about that because I feel like Jeff Goldblum's character in Jurassic Park. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free, it expands to new territories, and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but life finds a way. And like music will find a way. But I think that there will always be these venues. And I think people will get creative about what becomes the space to perform in. You know, like Fugazi played on the parking deck at Drexel like back in the day. Like there will always be basement shows, I think this era will probably give rise to a lot of creativity and angst. And I imagine that bands will find whatever venue they can. So I, I think I'm, I'm less worried about if, but just more about the when. Uh, the thing I was, I would just close by saying, you know, I have two kids and we listen to a lot of punk music around the house, but I, they still get it in the sense that this music is different from other music. But I think that there'll be some other thing that will come in to my house, which will be presented to me as something I cannot understand because I'm the establishment. And that is, I look forward to that day. <laughs> to rule with an iron fist. <laughs> yeah, it's great to be with you all. No, thanks for hanging out. Well, this is fun, people. Thank you. Glad we can make it happen. Pop the Question was researched and hosted by Dr. Melinda Lewis. Our theme music and episodes are produced by Brian Cantoric with additional audio production by Noah Levine. All of this was done under the directorship of Erica Levy-Zellinger, the deanship of Dr. Paula Morans-Cohen, and the Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University. I know it's important. I do. I honestly do. What are we talking about? Practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice. We're talking about practice.